Hello, my name is Sam Clements, and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a picture house podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's episode of the show, a mini episode, a bonus episode, if you will, we are joined by the fantastic writer and director Andrew Haig. His new film, All of the Strangers, is in cinemas right now, and uh, and yeah, we spoke to him whilst he was on the on the on the trail, as it were, doing lots of Q and A's, including a few at Picture House Cinemas. Really nice to have him in the house at our venues and uh, and to have his film on our screens. It's such a beautiful film. Uh, really enjoyed watching the movie and really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, one of the big uh, awards buzzy films uh, this season. So definitely one to see on the big screen uh, when you get a mo. Right. Without further ado, uh, let's uh, let's go over to my conversation with Andrew. Hello. Hi. Saw you looking at me from the street. I'm assuming you're not with anyone. Never see you with anyone. Is your mom and dad? Yeah. They died just before I was 12. I'm trying to write about them at the moment. How's it going? Strangely. Welcome, Andrew, to the Picture House podcast. Uh, lovely to have you on the show. And we're talking sort of towards the end of 2023, um, but even at time of speaking, all of the strangers has played at various festivals to various audiences. How is this part of the, the, the release going for you? It's been busy. I will <laughs> say that. It's been busy. But you know what? It's been like, it's been amazing. You make a film, you hope that it's going to have a life because when you make an independent film, you really do not know. And sometimes even if the film is well-reviewed and, and, and liked, it doesn't necessarily mean that it sort of breaks through some kind of bubble <laughs> that means that actually people get to know about it. So it's been since Telluride, which was back in September, early mm. September. I've pretty much been talking about it ever <laughs> since. So I feel like I'm probably bored everyone to death about it. But it just means that the film is working for people and it is resonating with people. Otherwise, they wouldn't want to talk about it. So I have to keep telling myself that this is a good thing. Absolutely. That I'm still <laughs> on the road talking about it. A nice place to be. And I guess because Pasha, you know, the, the, when you're making a film, you're very much, you know, with your crew and your cast and you, you're out there in your bubble. And and it must be quite rewarding to actually, you know, show it to a group of strangers in various different countries as well and like actually hear that audible feedback. Yeah, it really is. And look, I don't sit in the cinemas when they're playing it, obviously, now, because that would be insane. <laughs> so I don't do that. But, you know, I've done a lot of Q&As. And so you're there at the end and you stand there at the back of the cinema as the film ends. And I can see that it's having an effect on people. And that is special. I love going to the cinema. I make films because I want them to be seen in the cinema is a collective experience and when you see people strangers in a room mm. having an experience that they're sharing it feels really powerful and afterwards people come up to me and they've quite open about elements of their own life whether they've lost someone or whether it's the queer relationship within the story whatever it might be and it's it's it's, it's kind of beautiful that you can then have these conversations with people that you don't know mm. and you are connecting with a stranger, a complete and utter stranger. 
It's a really effective way to sort of communicate and to share a story, isn't it? Because it's, it's such an immersive art form, but um, everybody interprets things in different ways. And, and I always view the sign of a good film as if people stand around in the foyer afterwards and chat. And, uh, and I think actually with all of the strangers, I've not only seen people stand around in the foyer and chat, but people compose themselves. Yeah. there's been a bit of sobbing. At the there end has of been film. some sobbing. <laughs> going to the toilets to have a cry. <laughs> but also just like sharing things. Mm. And it's weird, like, you know, the film is about the importance of connection and being known and being understood and compassion for other people let's say so the fact that people then can come out and have a conversation i always thought about it in a way that if i felt like i if it felt like the film was open and vulnerable and expressing a feeling and not being cynical about that feeling but just being quite honest about it that the audience would come to it with the same not all of them but you hope <laughs> that most of the audience come to it with the same emotional state and I feel like often that is what's been happening at screening. So that's, yeah, that's great. Well, it's, it's exactly what we need as well. Like we, we love films that, you know, reward the big screen viewing experience. And sometimes that's because it's got lots of explosions and big visual effects. Or sometimes it's because it's a you know, deeply personal story and you kind of want to get lost in the screen. Like you don't want distractions during the film. You really don't want distractions. And I, you know, I, and even though I watch a bunch of films at home as well, I know that I'm distracted watching those films mm. and I know that it would be a better experience if I say it see it in the cinema like I know it would and I my favorite cinema time is like mid-afternoon oh, if I've got some time <laughs> off it's not too busy mm. but you want some you don't want to be the only one in the cinema no. but you go there some people there and it's just like two hours out of your day that feel like you've had a dream and it's been a really productive dream so I yeah I, I, I love it uh, matinee screenings with a coffee or something so that's good. kind of my coffee ideal. usually like a brownie or something <laughs> yeah. and then yeah two hours you, it's the best two hours ever oh fantastic i really wanted to ask about the i guess like on the, the flip side of making a film uh, when you're a writer and director when when you know it, it really is you alone with your thoughts <laughs> before you get to the you know showing it to the public uh, what, in terms of just like your writing process uh, you know how do you approach that do you lock yourself away in a room somewhere do you sort of uh, you know have notes all on the wall like what what, what does that look like <laughs> yeah it's such a such a filmmaking is especially when you write and direct it's such a weird process because you go through so many different periods of time where one is just you by yourself all the time and then you're on set suddenly <laughs> with a hundred people and then you're in an edit suite with two people and then you're in cinemas with like sometimes like we've played at the london film festival mm. with war festival two thousand people wow. like it doesn't, <laughs> it's all bonkers so when i'm like writing i spend a lot of time yeah by myself i usually like write in the mornings at home and then we'll go out and sort of edit what i've written in the mornings out and about in the world so i'm not in the silence of my room and i go through lots of stages i go through stages of just refusing to actually write anything just think about things and then i go through just writing lots of notes on mm -hmm. paper with a pen to sort of just start to formulate what i need the film to be about and how i need it to feel and what i'm i feel like it needs to express and then i go into like the hard work of first draft which is quite exciting because you feel like oh, i'm getting this idea out and then you read it back and you're like oh christ this is not going to work <laughs> and then you slowly start to it gets better and better then it always gets worse again always and then it gets better again and then you think you've done it and then someone's like do you think you could just work and you're like oh god seriously <laughs> you want me to go back and often they're right mm. and you do go back and you deal with scenes that you sort of try to just put to the back of your mind because you don't know how to solve them. 
Um, but it's a long, it's a long process. And then the night before you're about to shoot, you're like, I think I need to change the scene. I think I need to write a different di- line of dialogue here, or I need to do this. It's, uh, it's, it's I've, I've never sort of had that experience, but uh, but when I have been sort of tasked with like a solo writing task, I always find I need to clean the house first. That's absolutely the first job. <laughs> absolutely, you can't have a. Me- I need my. Ha- I also need my desk to be really tidy. Mm-hmm. I can't work with like a crazy like. I don't really have notes everywhere. Actually, I try and like keep it quite like sparse. Mm. But yeah, you need to make sure everything else is done and that you're not going to be distracted, which is not always easy. Like I, you know, it's not easy to not be distracted. Turn <laughs> the internet off. Oh, that's a good. That is a good shout. Uh, it's very easy to just have another tab open, isn't it? <laughs> uh, how do you when when you sort of you know you get to the end of, of of writing? How do you feel? You know, is is that kind of exciting, or is is there just a, like a whole other the director side of your brain? Does that start to uh, to kick in? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's but un- usually once I finish, the thing is then, am I going to get the money mm. to make it? Are people going to want to make it? And so even if you've been in development with somebody, like say we were in development with film four on this it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be made you've still mm. got to make get someone on board who's going to pay for the rest of it so you're always nervous about that and then you have a lot of conversations with lots of people when you're trying to pitch the project about what you think it's going to be and and, and that can be quite anxiety making because you're never sure it's actually going to happen and then once pre-production comes when it's being green lit there's a moment of fear of like, oh, have I made the right decision? Is this as good as it can be? And then you just have to disregard that because mm. you, you, your job then is to make every single person that you're working with believe in the project. Mm. Like you have to make them believe in it. Otherwise, why would they do it? They have to. They have to feel like there is nothing else in the world that you want to do. And I actually have to feel that myself because mm. it's too much work if you don't really care about it. You know, I don't know how people do things that they don't really like. I, just, I mean, I, I don't know how. I, I, it, the days are too long mm. for that. You know, I can't work 18-hour days unless I really care about something. Yeah, it must be soul-destroying to be putting that much work into something you're not really passionate about. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, there's so much of the job that can be soul-destroying. Like, there's always, you know, and then amazing at other times. Mm. But, you know, you, you're always trying to make things work every day. You're trying to get the scene to work, the edit to work, the writing to work, and your ambitions are, are usually always higher than what the reality is because yeah. that's just the inevitability of dreaming about something. So you're always having to face, I think filmmakers are always having to face with sometimes little disappointments, sometimes big disappointments. Then sometimes when the film is finished, nobody really cares about it. You've got to face that disappointment. There's always little disappointments along the way, but then sometimes there's also like, you know, huge amounts of joy as well yeah, the highs must be high <laughs> yeah, the highs are high but also then you have to take them look i'm really glad that the film is is people are responding to it i'm really mm. glad that 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 you know most people seem the critics seem to respond to it. all of those things that make you happy because mm. you do care about them but you know my mind is then like okay next one <laughs> of course um, yeah. what, what the hell do i do next <laughs> time you know there's always and I, I think in many ways you sort of most filmmakers not every time are people going to like what you do mm. and you and you can't expect them to because sometimes they'll be bored of what you do and sometimes there'll be someone else that's more interesting than what you do and sometimes you'll make a bad film maybe and you've sort of got to like just ride through all of that i think you absolutely know, as you go forward i think it's as long as you know you have to be happy and, and, and passionate about the project yeah. and like if the work was great you know and that was a good process then that's that's reward yeah, I think process is really important. Like, and I'm actually look really proud of everything I've done. I really am happy with how everything's turned out. Really happy. 
but and it is about the process the more that i've made the more i realized that if you can make that process be something mm. special that is as important you leave that with that that's, that's a, a, a two years of your life like you don't want to do anything if the process is horrendous no absolutely. why do it don't <laughs> make films go and do something else let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars inspiration comes when we feel something new that's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys kia proud supporter of independent cinema kia movement that inspires I mean, I, I don't know if it's true of, of, of sort of how you've worked on your other films, but I was lucky to go to a, to a Q&A with all of the strangers and it was a uh, it was lots of heads of department and, and key members of your crew. Mm. And uh, they, I mean, they came off, uh, across as a bunch of really solid uh, people, but also they all loved the project as well. And yeah. it must be quite nice to actually have collaborators all around you, you know, uh, the music and, and, mm. and cinematography and set design and all that stuff who believe in the film just as much as you. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, it's really amazing and like i do feel like that everybody really cared about making the film i could tell you know every day that that people were happy to be doing this and and wanted to give it everything and then the good thing is when the film is finished and they've seen it they really love the film <laughs> like it's important to me that the people that work on the film and the actors like the film like mm. i do that is my own internal like fear that builds up as i'm working on the film like, i do not want to disappoint all the people that have put so much into a film because it isn't just me it's everybody that works on the film and so you want them to be proud of it and you want them to think you know what we've made something that's worked and that is is, is good and so i'm always really terrified when the actors first see it i'm nervous when the crew first see mm. it like it means something to me that they do like what is the final film I think there's so much to be proud of in terms of like the craft in, mm. involved in the film. I mean, well, we should talk about the actors in a moment, but just in terms of like how the film looks, how mm. the film sounds, the way it's been, it's um, the, the sets have been chosen and, mm. and 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 shot. Like the main apartment set mm. is really like evocative and and like it's, it's quite atmospheric. Like I really love that as a space. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there was very lots of like the clever te uh, techniques on set to to bring that space alive. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? You're constantly trying to make things that just you know sort of notice they're just mm. there but every single decision is a decision so you know in the apartment set it's like what is the furniture what is the color of the walls how do we relate all of those things to his past as if the past is still imprinted on the future like the colors are related the furniture is related things are related mm. you know what are we doing with the outside it's actually an led wall with a oh, wow, so yeah. it's like not green screen and not real location it's led walls that's playing that mm. live so it's on casting set. like real light so it's casting the light that it, it and we shot plates for real in the location where the apartment was and mm. then we built the inside of the apartment but it's like, okay, what do we do with this? So it sort of feels real, but it's also giving it a slight shifted reality because mm. the story goes to some very strange places. So you want it to feel like it's not completely realistic. And, you know, and you, t you just talk through those things and sometimes it's luck. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just make a decision because you feel like it's right. And then you're like, oh, well, that was good. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of fascinating in retrospect. You find you're, there's so much like intellectual articulation of why you made a choice. Mm. And then you look back and you're like, I just think we decided it looked nice or whatever. Or it, it made sense at the time. And it's usually afterwards that you have to sort of go back and try and understand why you made the decision in the first place. 
Am I right in saying you shot the film on 35mm as well? Yeah, we did. It has a really, the, the colours, the high contrast. I, I, when I was yeah. on the screen, I was just in awe of you know how it looked for the first few minutes. <laughs> yeah, Jamie did a really beautiful job. Um, I knew I wanted to shoot it on film, and me and Jamie talked about it. We said we just have to shoot on film. And I also didn't want it to be that kind of like slightly desaturated or sepiary or anything mm. for like thinking about we're going into the past. It's not a flashback. It's all existing in this weird temporal space that's both the past and the present and dream and reality and all those kind of things and um and so i wanted there to be lots and lots of color like i wanted it to have color mm. and I th maybe it's because also i think during lockdown i watched so many like old technicolor films mm. and how films used to look and the colors are incredible like you watch sort of powell and pressburger oh, or wow, something yeah. and black narcissus which are one of my favorite films you know when that lipstick she puts on that lipstick it's like the reddest red mm. you've ever seen in your life and it has an emotional effect on you. You feel it. So I definitely wanted to push the colour more than I've ever pushed before in this film. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think the uh, it really sort of brings out, you know, sort of the mood of the piece as well as, you know, details from the actors and, and the set as well. And it, it, it feels, it, it just added to the immersion for me, Yeah, uh, I have to say. You've got an incredible cast in this film. And, and one of the things I love about it is it's a, it's a close-knit, mm. quite a small cast. So as an audience, we really get to relate to each of the characters uh, you know, we, we see it still leaves you wanting more, even though you know there's sort of effectively four, yeah. only four actors in in the movie. But uh, but it's, it's it's a beautiful team of people you brought together. Yeah, look, I'm so happy, and I lo love that you say you're wanting more because like, I kind of think that's actually really important for the story. Mm. Like, you want to see more of the parents, mm. but you can't see more of the parents because as adults we don't see more of our parents, and when they're dead, of clearly you don't see more of your parents. So it's sort of was part of it. Like I wanted mm. to feel like you wanted them to reappear, and you. But you. Ha so I'm playing a little bit with that. How much we see them, how much we don't see them. Um, but look, the cast are all brilliant. I'm like couldn't be happier with them. I think they're all so so good. They were so invested. They cared so much about the project. You know, they they like went into it like really wanting to do it and wanting to work with each other. Mm. And then you can feel that in the scenes. You can feel that they they're not unhappy about being there together with each other and actually the set was like quite a joyous place actually mm. it was a you know we, it was it was it wasn't a depressing somber place even if there's quite a lot of emotion in the mm. film it was we tried to keep it light and and friendly and and we had like quite a, it was it was a good time while we were making it which i think helps when they have to go to those emotional places I think because a lot of the scenes are sort of, you know, either two people or three people talking, mm. you know, and, and that, that must just sort of add to the, you know, like people get to know each other, they'll, they'll want to sort of unwind a bit after the takes and stuff. Mm. Like that must actually just be quite a nice space yeah. uh, to be in both when the cameras are rolling and when they're not. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, if you're on real locations, there's nowhere really to go. We didn't have trailers in, in places. So you just sort of hang out on the edges of the frame. <laughs> and I always quite like that when mm. actors don't finish their work and then go off back into their changing room or the dressing room. I like it when people just sort of hang around and yeah. they just want to sit around a bit. And, you know, when we were filming in the diner at the end, the actors were sitting just on another table oh, a little bit further <laughs> back and they spend the whole time the rest of the day when they're not on scene just out there talking away. <laughs> and I feel like that comfort that they all developed outside of the shooting, you feel it on the screen. The, uh, who was the first one to come on board? Andrew was the first one to come oh, on board. So I was, al I was always going to cast him first. Mm. Like You, you want to cast that role. Everything circles around him. You then need to work out who makes sense with him and then who makes sense as the husband to the wife and then the 
Harry character played by Paul. Like, does that make sense? And so there's all these decisions that you make down the line. Like, I think this makes sense. Mm. Do they look enough like each other that you're going to believe it? Like, do they have the right kind of atmosphere of character that sort of makes sense? And I feel like they're, I mean, you always know that you've done something right when I try and think, could I imagine anybody else mm. playing those characters? And, you know, when you're talking about casting, you talk about lots of people. But I can't imagine any of those other people playing those roles. Not for an instant. Like they are the people that, that, that were right for it. I think they really lose themselves in, in the characters. Like mm. when sometimes when you watch a film that you know and it's a it's a name you know, you, you just can't help but see, you know, a Tom Cruise or, or, or someone. But I think in this everybody is so transformed. Yeah, you know, and they're like slightly different, aren't they, from what you've normally seen mm. them. I think that's always the key, is you want to get someone so it's not com a complete departure from how the world sees them, mm. but shifted enough that you're seeing another side of them. And so for me it's always about like you're trying to see someone's internal life right and if you can get the right actor that people know yeah but don't know everything about and yeah. it's a different shade of them you feel like something is coming out from the screen that is new and exciting and interesting and magical at the same time i think especially just because i don't know if we've seen uh clara foy and, and jamie bell play sort of parents like that yeah. and they're just like so bought that relationship yeah, yeah they're like uh, perfect you know. together. they're like yet they make sense yeah like character wise the way they both are they make such sense and i think for claire it was really fascinating to play someone like that she mm. often plays historical figures or you know to play something like this that i guess is period because it's in the 80s but it isn't sort of really at the same time i mean it is but it isn't and just like a, a regular mum living in a regular you know suburban house is not something that she's actually played before no it's uh yes it's really it was it's just again like that's why one of the reasons i wanted more i think you yeah know, like claire as, as the mum jamie's dad they make sense uh, totally. as well as paul and andrew yeah uh, totally. down there um i think we need to to wrap up in a second but i do want to quickly ask you just about the music in the film and and were there some tracks in the movie uh you know uh, do you write those into the screenplay or or is that just a dangerous thing to do when it's a licensed track yeah. that may need to be sort of approved and whatnot actually all <laughs> they are written into the screenplay pretty much all of them there's maybe a one or two like one playing in the club that isn't but mm. the death of a party was the blur track all of the other tracks are in are in the screenplay apart from i think the fine young cannibals wasn't in mm. the screenplay so i wrote them in there and made sure we could get the rights to them before we started filming like obviously for the pet shop boys mm. she has to sing along to the song so i had to get the rights but i made sure we got the rights to the end to the frankie Ghost hollywood song and i really wanted to make sure that i got the rights to the music and they're all songs that meant something to me that I feel like speak to the story. And it's always interesting, like pop music when you're a kid means one thing to you. It speaks to you in a certain way. And as an adult, when you listen to it again, you're like, oh, I understand why I like that song. Mm. I understand what it's doing. It's actually far more melancholy than I thought it was. Or it's, it's full of longing and desperation. And I understand why I liked it as a kid. And as an adult, it's something different. And so I love how that works in the film as both true to the time that he would have loved yeah but somehow the meaning has changed over the years and it now has a different meaning that's somehow more important than what it meant back then oh that's fab yeah no I, I, it, it makes so much sense in the film but also for the audience you bring your own sort of familiarity with those those yeah. tracks and i was listening to them in a way i've never listened to them before and yeah. um yeah i loved like i sat through all of the credits here just to really get every yeah. ounce of music out of the film yeah. <laughs> it's funny because even if the songs aren't the songs that you love when you were young mm. because they you know that the character loves them it makes you think of the songs that you did love when you were yeah. young because obviously a certain generation they're not going to be talking about the house martins but like there'll be another song but when they grew up they'll be like oh i really love 
whoever I don't know Miley Cyrus or whoever <laughs> you know younger people listen to um so uh, yeah that kind of stuff's really important so it's a, a beautiful playlist and um, I've been listening ever since and mm. I'm sure lots of audiences will as well their Spotify will be dotted uh, with you. those tracks uh, but thank you so much uh, for talking to us Andrew we're Pleasure. really excited to play all of the strangers at Picture House and uh, and yeah thank you for talking to us today brilliant thank you <laughs> well, cheers man cheers <laughs>